I believe it's turning around for me. I've had struggles and disappointments. Let's all stand as we begin our second service. The psalmist David wrote, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of coming together to worship you, to hear from you, to just bring you honor and glory. We thank you for each one that's gathered here and for those who are watching us by the World Wide Web. We ask your very presence to cover us today. We ask for your anointing that whatever is done and said will bring you much glory and much honor. We commit this service to you, O Lord, and we ask you to hasten the steps of those who are coming. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome the worship team led by Michelle Brown? <laughs> Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We have so much to give God thanks for. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to worship? Has anybody come with a worship in their heart to give the Lord this morning? Can we say hallelujah? hallelujah. Can we give him a thank you, Jesus? Thank you are worthy. Hallelujah. The song says, I will give you all my worship. And that's what we are going to do this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. There's no sound...
this morning. Hallelujah. The song says, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice and let the people be glad. We have a reason to rejoice this morning. Amen. We have a joy, a reason to have joy in spite of our circumstances because our God reigns. Hallelujah.
the earth rejoice and let the people be glad. Let the earth rejoice and let the people be glad. Let the earth rejoice and let the people be glad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His glory is in this place, amen. And we want to see his glory rise. Do you want to see his glory rise this morning? The song is simple. It says, let the glory of the Lord rise among us. That's what we're here to do this morning, amen. To give him all the glory. Let the 
believe in who he says he is this morning and he can be whoever you need him to be for you today we believe that he can be your healer if you need healing whether it be physical healing spiritual mental whatever it is emotional healing God is a God of the impossible amen and there's nothing that is impossible for him so as we sing this song let it not just be words but believe that he is who he says he is as we declare that we believe that he is our healer amen and that nothing is impossible
Jesus is all that we need. And the word of God says, and being found in the appearances of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's everything we need. But we have to move it from head knowledge to down to the heart. Amen. We just sang, I believe. Do you believe this morning? For we're going in prayer and the scripture says without faith it is impossible impossible to please God for everyone that comes must believe that he is not only that he is but he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him do you truly believe this morning amen because if we don't believe like the apostles we can say Lord help my unbelief we don't have to fake it if I'm dried up inside I can say, Lord, wet me up by your spirit. Because he wants to do a great work in each of us. He wants this thing to be real. It is not a fake. It's not a charade. God truly wants us to connect with him. And he wants to connect with us by his spirit. So as we go in prayer, I want God to ignite your faith. That we will truly believe that he's all that we need. He's the supplier of all that we need, not just by what the Word says, but that we connect with that truth. Because unless we do, we're not going to receive of God. James says if we doubt, we will not get in. Let not that man that doubts thinks he'll receive of the Lord. So I want to encourage you today. Ask God, Lord, help my unbelief if I'm unbelieving. Strengthen my faith if I'm believing. And those who are watching us by the World Wide Web, we invite you to join us in prayer and to connect your faith with God also. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And God, we're praying that you truly ignite faith in our hearts today, that as we sing words, they'll not be empty words. They'll not be superficial words, but they'll be words that connect our faith with God. Indeed, that our hearts would be stirred to believe that you're who you say you are. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ. He humbled himself and he became like one of us so that we might become like him. Father God, and receive your eternal salvation. And so today we pray, Father, for everyone gathered here and those who are watching us by the World Wide Web. You know the nature of every need. Your word says you are Jehovah. The I am that I am. God, we pray today for those who are hurting, for those who are mourning, for those who are grieving, that Jehovah Shalom would shed his peace in every heart. For those who need a physical touch, we pray that Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, would stretch his nail-scarred hand and he would touch each one. For those who lack, Father, the things that they need to live, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. For the one who feeds alone, you're Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that is with us. May you be with each one, O oh God. 
and for the one, Lord, that needs your intervention, your protection, your Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. So we ask that you, the God of all righteousness, the God of all sufficiency, that you would reach down to your people today and that you'd minister to needs. Let there be testimonies that will glorify you because you have heard and answered prayer. Father, we pray for our nation. We ask you to touch those who are in authority today. Touch their hearts. May they humble themselves before you. May they seek your wisdom and your grace. May you guide them that they may make just laws that we live quiet and peaceable lives with all reverence. Father, it's your desire to save these men and women in authority. And we pray you'd send laborers right where they are with the good news of salvation. And may you take the scales from their eyes and cause your hearts to connect with the truth that we are lost without you and be saved. Father God, we pray for those here today. Maybe there's someone who has never accepted your son Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe there's a backslider who has not returned to you, O oh God, the God of their salvation. Holy Spirit, may you touch their hearts today. That as they hear the word of God, it would connect and they would repent of their sins and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Minister to every need, we pray. Father, let there be no lack in your house. And we pray for your men's servant who will bring the word, that you would anoint him with fresh anointing, fresh power from God. Let your word that goes forth connect with every heart. Let not one return to you void, but let the word of God accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. We give you thanks, O Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers because we ask these mercies in Jesus' name. And everyone agrees, and we say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Let's give the worship team a great big hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you came to the house of God this morning. There's no better place to be than to be in a place of worship where we can focus our thoughts and our hearts on the God, the giver of all good gifts, that we can take time out to thank him and to honor him for his blessing and his mercy. And sometimes we take his goodness for granted. You know, like our children, they have the spirit of entitlement. And no matter what we do, sometimes they never say thanks. And we do the same with our Heavenly Father. We know how it hurts when our kids treat us that way. So today, let's give him thanks. Can you lift your hand and say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. We don't deserve it, folks. But he's so gracious and so good. And we ought to pause and to give him thanks. Amen? Praise God. We want to welcome you to the house of God today. And if you are a first-time guest with us, we especially want to welcome you. But in order to give you a special living word welcome, we need to recognize you. So we're going to ask all our first-time guests, if you just stand very briefly, you're not going to speak, and our ushers here will hand you a specially prepared packet. So is there anyone visiting us for the very first time? Don't be shy. Would you stand, please? Thank you so much. Amen. As soon as you get the packet, you may be seated. Thank you so much for coming, and the Lord bless you richly. Is there anyone else over the congregation you came for the first time? How about anyone for the second time? Would you raise your hand at me? They have a special card for you. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's give her a great big hand. Thank you for coming back and visiting with us. Amen. 
We're going to invite you to complete the card. There's a connection card in your packet if you do that now. And uh, when the offering is being received, if you would bring your card forward. Today is a special day that we receive our offering. We do a special way we call it the Nigerian style. So everyone comes forward, and we're going to invite you to come. Even if you have nothing to give, it's fine. Just come on up, bring your card with you, and we're so happy you came. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come back again. This is a friendly church with a family focus. We love God, and we love each other. Amen? So let's give our visitors a great big hand again. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite the um, adult choir to get ready to come just after the announcements. Amen. So we want to remind you of a few things. One big one I want to remind you of, and um, as you pass the welcome table, welcome desk, you will see a white paper looking like this. And how many of you know we're having our 25th anniversary service coming up in April? Anybody? What date is it again? April 15th. Oh, wow. The third Sunday, April 15th, is our 25th anniversary service. And there'll be one service that day at 9 a.m. But in honor of the event, in celebrating this milestone, it's our 25th anniversary, our silver anniversary. We're creating a historic magazine to uh, memorialize the day. And so what we're inviting you to do is to put a greeting in the magazine. It's going to cost you at the back side of the um, sheet. There's a different cost. You can do a greeting um, celebrating an anniversary, a birthday, your kid is graduating, your business, you can advertise your business. You can go to the places that you do business and you ask them to sponsor a greeting and they advertise their businesses at the same time. And we'll have hundreds of people coming. So for whatever um, size ad they take, they'll be having a lot of people who will see their ad. And then I want to encourage you, many of you um, have children that were dedicated here. Some of the children were born here. Some of you were married here. Some of you got counseling here. Do I need to go on? Some of you were prayed for here. Amen. You were blessed by this ministry. We ask you to participate in a tangible way. Take out a greeting. Get in the book. Amen. Get in the book. Yeah, get in the book. We're going to have this really specially designed 25th anniversary magazine and we want you to be a part of that you don't want to be left out years to come when you show your grandchildren or children say i took out a greeting to my church and even if you're a visitor you're very welcome to do that also so please pick up one of these um or a couple of them if you're going to use them at the welcome desk and you can solicit from a business or you yourself can take out a personal greeting amen we want to remind you today's fourth Sunday, so we do not have an evening service today. This is the last one for the day, so drink it all up, and this evening we hope you will be a blessing to someone. Um, family captain meeting is coming up. We have a little while before then, but I believe Sister Valda, Sister Valda is here, I saw her earlier. Sister Valda Hayden is here. She has a great big announcement to make concerning um, Bible teacher training. Let's give Sister Valda a hand as she comes. Amen. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Great, great. Well, it's time for our Bible 
class training, which will be this Saturday, February 3. We've been talking about it, and it seemed a long way off, but it's right here. I, I just want to let you know, the first time I was asked to serve um, as a Sunday school teacher, I was like, who, me? Oh, no, that's not for me. But guess what? I have grown to love it, and it has helped me to choose my career in teaching because I really didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a nurse. But teaching has become such a part of me. I, was, I went to college and was trained as a teacher. So um, it's good to volunteer because it helps you to discover what your real gifting is. Now, this Saturday, we'll be having our training, and it's for everyone. If you've been teaching for 10 years, one year, or you're just coming on board, it's for you. You know the big corporations? They have training all the time because things are training. Methods are, are changing, and we need to keep up with the change. So this Saturday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon, and guess what? We'll be serving lunch. So please sign up at the welcome desk so we know how to take good care of you. We're looking forward to a great time of training and discussion and the blessings of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And just before the training is our monthly Saturday morning prayer. It starts at 8. So what a great combo. You come out to pray at 8 to 9, and then you flow right into the Bible class training. Make good use of your four hours for the Lord. Amen? Some of you have wondered what your giftedness is. What a great way to go and try out. Amen? So we want to encourage you to do that. Praise the Lord. We want to remind you also that um, on February, February 23rd coming up, and this is giving you a preview we're going to be having the second um, episode. It's just another Friday, too. Many of you saw that Jamaican gospel movie, and they have the sequel to that. Just another Friday, too, is coming up. Tickets are available right now. You save a lot by 50%, actually, by purchasing before. You don't want to wait till you get to the door. Children under 12 are free, but um, children 12 and over and the adults are $10 now, but if you wait till the day, it's $15, so you don't want to do that. And then the Sunday after that, we want you to start inviting friends to this. Some will not come to a regular church service, but they'll come to a concert. They'll come to the movie. We're going to have a free family concert by the Stevens family. So keep these in mind. Post your announcement on your refrigerator or somewhere where you can have access. We also want to remind you that Tuesdays is our corporate day of fasting. This month, we did uh, 10 days of fasting, Daniel Fast. But every single week, we do have a time of fasting and prayer. And we have Tuesday morning from 10 to 12, we have a time of corporate prayer. And we have a wonderful prayer group. And when you're off, it's a good opportunity to come. Don't just sleep late. Come on in. Get blessed. Great things happen on Tuesday morning. We tear down strongholds by the power of Jesus. So you want to come and join us for prayer. I see all the smiling faces here who come regularly on Tuesday. They know what I'm talking about. So I want to encourage you. It's our corporate day of prayer and fasting every Tuesday. Even if you cannot come, 
fast a meal. Pray for the church. Pray for your brothers and sisters. It is time. And in this 2018, we want to stoke up prayer. Amen? Can you say amen? Because things happen when people pray. And you don't want to wait till you have a need. Because if you don't come to pray, who's going to be praying for you? Maybe others will be like you and don't come. So I want to encourage you, make the effort. Make the effort. Tuesday is a family day. Come out. Let's join together and pray. Amen. Can everybody say amen? amen? The Lord says his house shall be called a house of prayer. It's my privilege to introduce the adult choir of LWOBC under the leadership of Ms. Alticia Buffon. Would you put your hands together and let's welcome them. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. Anytime we can come before God and be in his presence, it should be a, a smile on our face, expectancy in our hearts. Amen. The song that we're singing today is very much familiar to you. So I want us to all be choir members this morning. Is that all right? Is that all right? Amen. I need you to get up on your feet with us as we sing every praise. It's to our God. Hallelujah.
Give him a big hand. Come on now. He had to do all of that by himself. Amen. God bless you. We have one more special announcement that affects our children and families. And Dr. Theodore Daniel is coming at this time. Would you put your hands together and welcome him? And next, the ushers will get ready to receive the morning's time. Thank you very much, Sister Francis. Good morning, church. All right, um, as most of you are aware, unless you are brand new, we do have an academic club here that all your children who are in school from K all the way to 12, we always take their report cards. And um, we also reward them in July, August of the, of the year. And so we want to keep that wonderful tradition up. Some of them have gone on to become doctors and engineers and all kind of stuff. And it is the 25th anniversary. Oh, how wonderful it is. Amen? Amen. So we do have a few little modifications we want you to be aware of. Report cards must be submitted to the church office no later than one month after the marking period. Okay, so um, in the, a few years back, we have become a little, a little bit relaxed in that we take all the report cards one time. But we won't be doing that again. So all one month after the report cards have been issued, we want them, we will be on the outside starting next Sunday. One member of the academic club will be outside at the table on the box. You will drop the report cards in there, and uh, then they will be stored in the office. Because we no longer will take your children's report card individually because we cannot take them home. HIPAA rules and everything, we are not supposed to do that. Okay, so please, please confirm to that. Report cards must be submitted at the end of every marking period, as I said. Every marking period is just... Give them to us out there. We'll be right there for you. Um, students must attend church regularly. That is more than 50% of the time to be part of the academic club. So if your child is not here, you can't just show up like you drop from outer space a month or two before and um, qualify to become the top student because he or she bought some wonderful grades. He or she has to be here at least 50% of the time in church because guess what? It is the church's academic club. Okay? So it, it has to be here. All right? And also, in relation to that, we know a lot of our students have and do community service outside. And that's fine. But if you are so gifted in doing community service outside and you can do so much community service outside, we do have some inside too. So if you want to be a part of the academic club, you also have to bring some of that community service has to be done in the church, okay? Are you agree with me? Right, so because again, it's a church organization. And so we are saying we don't want, at the end of the academic year, we hear all these complaints about, oh, my child did this, all these wonderful things outside. We want them to be done inside. We're not saying don't do it outside because, you know, we, we do support that. But we want it, some of it done here also. So we are asking you to please, please encourage your kids to sign up but we have a lot of community service here. Lots of work, lots of tables, and some of us are getting old. We need help to move those tables. I don't know about you, but some of us, you know, we have different pains, different places, so we need help. So we, we, we do have a lot of work, and we ask you to let them help us and sign up, and then we can all have a very great time later this year when you come back in July, August to celebrate with your children. But please, it doesn't matter how well they're doing, bring the report cards in, because you never know, all right? Bring the report cards in and don't wait. You have to be in it, as they say, to, be, to win it or to be a part of it. Thank you very much. I hope I'm still your friend. All right. 
Amen. On the fourth Sunday of each month, we, do, we receive the offering and your tithes in Nigerian style. And just a little history for those who are unfamiliar. We had a missions group that went to Nigeria um, many years ago, and they saw the joy that the people had in giving. And then I went on the last trip just a year and a little ago, and I couldn't believe the joy. They danced and worshiped as they brought their offering forward. And we thought, what a great way to give. Not like we're under compulsion, but it is joyous. So today, we're going to invite you to come. The ushers will guide you from the back. You will come on your left. Am I saying it right? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, I said it right. And then return on your right. Very good. I got it right, Pastor. So, <laughs> I stand on in subjection. <laughs> so anyway, so even if you have nothing to give, you want the road to flow. So we're going to invite you to still move. Okay? You can say a prayer, Lord. Bless the offering, right? As you come. So we invite everyone to come. But I'm going to ask uh, Deaconess Claudette uh, Mendez to ask God's blessing on you and on your giving today. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, God, for this another opportunity that we can come into your house. Lord, as we come, we realize that you're our healer. We realize that you're everything to us, Lord. And so as we come, we just want to give, Lord. And as we give, we pray that you will bless it and that it will be used for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So let the music begin, and the ushers will direct from the back of the church all the way up. What can I say unto the Lord? All I say is thank you. What can I say unto the Lord?
you, Sister Olive. Show them how to go to do it. Sister Olive turned, how much was it? 93? 94. Two weeks ago. And see, she doesn't let that stop her. Because David said, I'll dance before the Lord. Amen. What a great place to dance in honor of God. Amen. Thank you so much. At this time, we want to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. And I invite our senior pastor, Reverend Carl Francis, to come at this time. Would you put your hands together, please? Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Turn to the person right and left. You tell them you're in the right place at the right time. Some people are not in the right place. They're not here. You always want to be in the right place. You know that? That's so important. Well, talking about being in the right place, we want to talk, we've been, we've been talking about generosity. I want to tell you about a gentleman who became very generous at the gym. There's a group of men that were standing around in the gym, and when a cell phone rang, and one of the men answers, and he said, yes. And this person says, hon, is that you? I can hardly hear you. And he says, hello. He says, are you at the gym? Yes. And then she says, I'm in front of the, the floral shop, and they have a beautiful mink coat. Can I buy it? How much is it? Only $5,000. Okay, he says, but you've got to buy a matching purse that goes with it too, my love. And so she says, well, it also turns out that I stopped by the car dealership today and saw they had a brand new BMW on sale. It's the last one. He says, how much is the sale? Only $60,000. He says, well, fine, buy it, but you have to get the, all the accessories. And if it costs a little more, I won't get mad. The woman, realizing that all her requests are being approved, decided to take a risk. Honey, remember that I told you that my mother wants to come and live with us? Is it okay if I invite her over for a month just to try it out? And after a month, we can talk about it? Okay, fine. But don't ask for anything else. Yes, yes, love. I love you so much, baby. Love you too. Bye. He turns around to the fellow and says, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? <laughs> Somebody's in for big trouble. Some have been spending money that they really officially weren't approved. Wow, we got to be careful, isn't it? We can be generous when it's not our money. That's what it's, you know, you see that? We become very generous when it's not our money. Except, when we think it is our money, then we are not as generous. And we've been learning that all the money that we have belongs to who? It's not our money. So therefore, you can become what? <laughs> you can become generous. You know, one of the best ways to increase your pleasure your own happiness, is to do things that make other people happy. Did you know that? In countless studies, they have shown that generosity has been linked to a greater satisfaction in life. In fact, gener generosity creates stronger relationships, a better mental and physical health. Now, here's this one. They found in studies that generous people live longer. Come on, anybody wants to live as long? Look, 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 Sister Olive is 94 years old. Can you imagine? Anybody want to live long? 
Then the Bible says, general, then the study says generous people live longer. And what's more is that happiness that people derive from giving to others actually create a positive feedback loop. Here's what happens. When you become generous, you have positive feelings. Those positive feelings cause you to want to become what? More generous. And the more generous you become, guess what? The greater the positive feelings. And so it just keeps on going. Research suggests that kindness is contagious. Those who witness or benefit from others in acts of kindness are more likely to be kind themselves. We're told about a young lady by the name of Enid Taylor. She had just lost her job as a physician assistant, and things were very tough. And she drove into this uh, donut store. It's called Heavenly Donuts in Massachusetts. And as she drove into the drive-thru, she uh, ordered her coffee and went up uh, to pay for the coffee. And as she was getting ready to pay for it, the person there, cashier, says, no, the car in front of you paid for your coffee already. So, you know, things are very tight for her, so she thought, if they're that generous, I'm going to be generous too. So while she was, uh, you know, thinking about it, she said, what's the person's car behind me? What's their tab? They said, $12. She says, I'll pay for that. So that person drives up, and they said, oh, you're... Your total is $12, but it's been paid for by the person in front of you. Well, that person decides that if somebody paid for me, then I'm going to pay for the person behind me. And can I tell you, in two and a half hours, 55 people paid for the person behind them. That's just what happens when you become generous. It's contagious. Generosity is contagious. The Bible tells us, and Jesus said it, and when you first saw it, maybe you didn't really believe it, but here it is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then the Bible also tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And though the Bible says, though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that so that you by his poverty might become rich. Now I want to read a passage of scripture for us this morning from which we're going to draw some truths. So let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, reading from verse 1 through to verse 7, and I'm reading using the New King James Version. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. They're talking about the given grace. Well, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today. Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them. 
and literal medicine unto all flesh. We ask that you will speak to us today. May we hear from you. May you too do what only you can do in our hearts. And Lord, we're learning to become generous. We're recognizing the importance of being generous. Teach us today principles in your scripture. And may you be glorified as we are edified in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. In this short passage that I read, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church had promised to help the very poor people in the church in Jerusalem. And Paul was reminding them and talking to them about another set of churches in Macedonia. He says, I want to tell you something about these Macedonian believers. He says, they were going through great trial of affliction. They were suffering religious persecution. That's what it was. They were having religious persecution because in that area, there was a lot of idolatry. And the, tr the primary trade was making idols. And you know, as a Christian, if you're going to make an idol, that's, it's a no-no. Because -no. remember the second commandment, thou shalt not make any graven image. And so that because of that, employment was difficult. So they were suffering financially, but they were also suffering persecution from the government. And so they were going through a very difficult time. Paul says that they were in deep poverty. And, and that Greek word for poverty there is a word that means that you use for a beggar who, would have, who have absolutely nothing and have the, no hope of getting anything. So they were in a dire straits. They were, they were being persecuted, and yet at the same time, they were in deep poverty because of lack of employment, lack of income. So their situation was very bad. And they heard about the Apostle Paul collecting an offering to help some very poor people as well in Jerusalem. And the Bible says, you know what they did? They went to Paul and they begged him, we want to participate. And so it's amazing that out of their deep poverty and out of their affliction, the Bible talks about their joyfulness and their liberality. And so we, got, we had this sort of a formula that we could create from what we saw there. And what we saw was great affliction and deep poverty. But because of the grace of God in their life, it, it equaled abundant joy and abounding liberality. And so what we find is that when the grace of God touches your life, you don't use lack of cir circumstances to make excuses. Even when out of their nothingness, they were willing to help other people. It's like the Apostle Paul says. He says, as poor, yet making many rich. That's a paradox. To, be, to be, make the statement, as poor, yet making many rich. When you have experienced the grace of God in your life, my friends, you will not use difficult circumstances as an excuse for giving. Grace given means giving in spite of your circumstances. And that's what these people in Macedonia is teaching us. It is possible to be generous, but not enthusiastic about giving. You know, one man says, you know, the pastor says, must give until it hurts. But for me, just thinking about giving hurts. <laughs> You know, that's not really what it's supposed to be. But, you know, the point of the matter is that Paul didn't have to prompt the Macedonian churches to give. They begged to participate. When was the last time you saw somebody beg us to take an offering? Not really. But these Macedonian people 
they really got them, they really understood that, you know, they can't just say, well, we don't have it. Because Paul says, they didn't do what we expect. What was he expecting? He was expecting that since they were that poor, he didn't bother to ask them. Because he thought if he asked them, they would say, Paul, you know our situation. We really can't help. We would love to, but we don't have it. No, they didn't say that. They begged him to be a participant. And then Paul says, he looked at what is it about them that made them want to do that. And here's what he said. They first gave themselves to God. That's what he says. They first gave themselves to God. When you give yourself to God first, and you put first things first, guess what? Everything else falls into place. And so because they gave themselves first to God, and now God owns them, if God owns them, what else does he own? Everything that they have. And so, you know, you see, so it all starts with you giving yourself to the Lord. And so there are three things that I want to share with you from this story. Three things that we learn about generosity that I want to share with you this morning. Number one, that is that generosity starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. It doesn't start with your pocketbook. It doesn't start in your wallet. It starts in the heart. These poor Macedonians didn't have it, but they were very generous. And so their impoverished condition did not stop them from becoming generous. The desire stemmed from their view of God. When they see God, they saw him with the potential for limitless capabilities. They knew that their situation was difficult, but looking to God, they realized that he was not limited. They were limited, but not the God that they served. And I trust that this morning that you'll be able to look at God and realize that he has unlimited resources. Your God is not limited. He, is, he has unlimited resources available. And so if you're going through a situation where you need God's intervention and God's help, I want you to know this morning that your God has limited, unlimited possibility. He has unlimited possibilities. Their situation was finite, but he has infinite ability. Can you give him praise for that this morning? He does. God has infinite possibility. Now, one of the things about generosity is that, you know, when you become generous, we know you can't do everything, but you know you can do something. You know, we may not be able to solve every problem, but we certainly can solve some problem. And a prayer that you can pray that will help you to become generous is that you can say, Lord, what can you, what do you want to do through me? Ask the Lord, what do you want to do through me? And when you do that, he will answer that prayer. Because he knows that he is the one that gives the ability to do things. And God will open the door. Can I tell you, my friends, God's looking for people who he can use as channels. And so if you're willing to make yourself available to be a channel, you're going to see as we progress in this message how God will send things your way. Because what God wants to do is to help everybody. He wants to help everybody. Can you say everybody? He wants to help everybody, not just some people. He wants to help everybody. But he can't help everybody just through a few people. If he's going to reach everybody, he's going to need a lot more people to reach everybody. Isn't that true? And so God's looking for channels. And if you are willing to be a channel, you will see that more resources will come your way. Because God wants people who will not hoard it, but people who will distribute it so that the others will, their needs will be met. 
And so the Apostle John says this. He says this in 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Paul says the love of God cannot be in you if you see someone with need and you don't do something. You see, generosity is a, is, is, it comes from compassion. When you have compassion, when you feel for others, and when you feel with others, then generosity will result. You know, Mother Teresa was a very compassionate woman. You know, she lived all her life trying to take care of the poor. She could have done otherwise. She could have lived a better life. She didn't die leaving a big 401k or a lot of retirement. For, no, no, no. She died with very little left. Because whatever she had, she helped the poor all the time. And she chose to work in the slums. She chose to work with the poorest of the poorest in Bombay at the time. That is now called Mumbai. The old Bombay where it was very poor. And uh, I've gone there and I've seen the, the poverty. It's amazing. I mean, people have one set of clothes on. That's all they have on their back is the only thing they wear. What they're wearing is what they have. And it is not sometimes not even clean. And sometimes it's not even whole. It's torn. But that's what they have. And you probably couldn't think that people could be that poor. But there are that people are that poor in the world. And I've always said to you, any one of you in here, any one of you in here, no matter what you think your finances are, you're a multimillionaire to two-thirds of the population of the world. Just think about that. You are a multimillionaire compared to two-thirds of the population of the world. When you begin to understand that two-thirds of the population of the world lives off $100, 100 U.S. dollar a year, you can, you can understand that you, you're very wealthy. You're very wealthy. So, you know, when, we, when these people that we're talking about here went out of their poverty, they were willing to give. And it's just amazing that, you know, you would think that they would hold on to what they have. But no, no, they learn. No, no, no. We got to still give. Just because we don't have much, we want the blessing of God. I knew a man that would never miss an opportunity to give. And he, his resources increased tremendously. If he was not a church... Because I was, I was one of the leaders, and I was there, and he was a leader, and I knew. If he missed church and they took up an offering for something special, he wanted to know what it was, and he wanted to hunt them down and to contribute. Because he had learned that when he blesses other people like that, God blesses him even more. And so this is something you and I need to learn. So generosity begins in the heart. The second thing we learn about generosity is generosity to see God as the perfect example. The perfect example of generosity is God. Listen to the Bible. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. What did he give? His only begotten son. That was a sacrifice. God gave his only begotten son. He gave away all of his only. He had only one begotten son, and he gave it all away to us. And he gave it to who? People who loved him? No. The Bible says we were, while we were yet sinners, Christ what? He died for us. And so God gave his only begotten son to people who were enemies of God, as Paul tells us. And so he didn't even just give it to friends. He gave it to people who didn't even like him. And he made them sacrifice his life for us. That's a generous God, don't you think? He's a big-hearted God. He's, he's unselfish. And so really, generosity, the birth of generosity, really is, on the, is at Calvary. You could almost say that. 
And the Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn them, but to, so that they may be saved. He sent his world to, to make a way out for them. And so despite, that's a generous God. A God who sends, make a way out for people who don't even care about him. Who doesn't even love him or are concerned about him. You want to see, let me explain to you about some more about the generosity of God. When the children of Israel were taken out of bondage in Egypt, you know what God said to them? He says, I'm going to provide you a land. Not just a land, but a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what that, that, that phrase, flowing with milk and honey, is a phrase for mean abundance. And then God says to them, there will be no scarcity in that land. He says, you will not lack anything when you get into that land. There'll be no lack. There'll be no scarcity. He says, actually, if you walk in obedience to me, when you get into the land, you'll be the lender and not the borrower. You'll be the head and not the tail. He, he, he was lavishing things on them. And Joshua and Caleb were sent out along with the other ten spies to look at the land. And they came back and said, you know what? The land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. That was their said. They said, it is, it is a land indeed flowing with milk and honey. They said, just to show that it was so good, they decided to bring back a bunch of grapes. Now, I want to tell you, when was the last time you saw two people having to carry a bunch of grapes? That's what the Bible says. When they came back from the land of Canaan, two of them had to bear one bunch of grapes. Now, I got to tell you, you uh, there, there's some, there's a, we, we used to show a, a film around here that, that showed how God blesses a country when the people turned to him. And one of them was a Latin American country. I don't remember which one of it was, Nicaragua, or I don't remember exactly which one of the country it was. But there was a particular area where the people decide in that village that they were going to turn to God. And, and, and there was a tremendous revival that broke out. And all the, all the, all the prisons and all the rum bars were closed because there were no more bad people to put in prison. Not only was that happened, but the agriculture in the, the land, the land suddenly got fertile. So fertile that they would show us pictures of, 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 of a carrot that was the size of my leg. Big, huge carrot. The land began to produce tremendously because of the blessing of God. So what you read about in when they said two of them bore a bunch of grapes, that's not far-fetched because we've actually seen it here. In, in, I, I, one of these nights, one Sunday nights, I'm going to pull out the, the film and then we're going to show it and let you see what God is doing around the world in places where people are turning to him. Just because you don't see it in America, my friends, doesn't mean that God's not moving in places around the world and, and performing his miracles. We have everything so easy and everything so available that we don't really need faith, you know what I mean? We don't really need to believe God. We don't really need to trust God. And so, you know, that's why when people travel and somebody comes to the altar with their baby and the baby is blind and they're told, if you lay hands on that baby and believe God, the eyes will open. They see the eyes open. Because you know what they do? They simply believe what you're saying. You know, in America, you say, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, we don't believe, we don't believe as much. And so because of lack of faith, we're not seeing the results. The Bible tells us that Jesus, in a certain place, he says he could not do many miracles there because they did not what? Believe. 
where people believe, there are people in different parts of the world that really believe God. They believe the word of God, and they're seeing miracles work. They're seeing things happen. And so when you see a lot of evangelists on TV, where do you see them doing the miracles? You don't see it in Chicago. You don't see the miracles happening in New York. It's always overseas. Have you ever noticed that? It's always in other countries. Because those people believe. When they're taught the word of God, they said, man, if God can do this, then I'm going to believe God for it. And they begin to trust God, and of course they experience the miraculous. God is a generous God. Let me show you about, let me show you about the generosity of God. Let me look at the scripture with you. It says here, for, think about this. It says, now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. Isn't that great generosity? He's not just, he could have said, now unto him who is able to do all that we ask or think. You know, it could have been read that way. But Paul didn't read it. Paul didn't say it that way because Paul knew about the generosity of God. He didn't say, no one to him who's able to do all. He says, no one to him to be able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. Just imagine that this morning, that whatever you can imagine or think, God is able to do it. How? According to the power that is at work in the FPNL. Huh? No, at work where? At work where? Say, in me. That's right. There's a power working in you already, and God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you may ask or even think, according to the power that is working in us. Can I tell you, there are people that are taking the Scriptures literally and say, if this is what it says, God, I'm going to believe you for it. And you know what they see? They see results. They see results. They actually see results, brethren. I mean, if you talk to some people, you would be amazed. You would be shocked to find that the way they're thinking, they don't think as small as some people think. They're thinking big things. You're trying to borrow, you know, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I got to borrow $1,000. I need $1,000. Somebody's thinking I need $100 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different level of thinking, isn't it? That's a whole different level. There are people that are thinking like that. So when you see certain things around the world and you see these huge ministries and things, they didn't think small to get to those huge ministries. They have to think big because they know what, you know what they know? They know they serve a who, a what size God? A big God. Do you serve a big God this morning? Is your God big enough for your problems? Is your God big enough to solve your situation? Is your God big enough? Can you say amen? amen. Say, God, you're big enough for my problems. That's right. He is. He really is. The Holy Spirit wants me to let that sink in. Think about some of the situations you're facing right now. What you think is so difficult. For you, you're saying, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. No, I don't need to understand it, but I can tell you one thing. The God that I understand is bigger than your problem. Some people, 
at the right. I want you to stop saying right, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you declare. Father, I believe now that you're bigger than my problems. So in the name of Jesus, I turn my problem over to you. And I want you to demonstrate so that I'll have a testimony that others will see and know how great is my God. Amen. Amen. Now here's the thing. If you pray that and believe it, a smile will be on your face because you would say, you know, my problem is done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know it's done in the name of Jesus. You know, I wasn't even saved when I experienced great faith. I've got to tell you that. Because the Holy Spirit was brought back to me. Because I, I grew up in a home that, that knew that there was faith. That knew that faith was possible to bring awesome things. And so one day, I remember when I had a huge situation. And I wasn't saved. But I knew about God, and I knew about the power of prayer. And I knelt down by my bed, and I prayed. And I know that when I prayed and asked God, I knew that when I got up, that the answer was sure. And guess what? Five minutes later, the answer showed up. Five minutes later. And I wasn't a saved person. But when you really believe God, you see, God responds to faith. He responds to faith. If you, it, 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 doesn't really, it, it doesn't really matter where it's coming from. He responds to faith. You remember that woman, that, that, that woman that, that, came, that came to Jesus, that woman that came about her daughter, and he says, I, won't, I, don't give my bread, I don't give bread to the dogs. She wasn't a Jew, you know. She was from another race. She, was not, she, she didn't know God as a personal savior. She didn't know anything about God. She never used to worship him. She heard about his power. And she came, and that's why he said to her, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then he says to her when she says, but, but what about me? He says, I know, I don't give my bread to dogs. Now, he wasn't really calling her a dog, but in terms of the culture of the time, is that they were treated like dogs. And so the point of the matter, he was saying, this, no, you, you don't get this. It's not for you. But then the lady brought up a situation that put Jesus in a situation where he had to respond. She says, I know you don't give bread to dogs, but I got to tell you, Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall off the table. And Jesus says, my dear, if you have that kind of faith, let it be unto you according to your faith. She believed. She was not entitled to it. She was not part of his family. She was not one of his, one of his followers. But she exercised faith, and when God saw, when Jesus saw the faith, he says, I got to respond to this. Yes, it will be done. Your daughter is made whole. Go home. She's free. And of course, of course, the daughter was made whole. So 
Anytime you and I exercise faith, God responds to faith. So when, 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 when doubt is coming, try to push you and says, well, I, I like to believe, but uh, uh, get rid of the doubtful thought and say, start saying to yourself, I am going to believe God. And one way, you know, the Bible, that's why the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we ask you to say it out. So you can actually hear it yourself as well. Because as you're hearing it, it's going to affect your spirit. And as it affects your spirit, you're going to, it's going to help you to say, I really believe God. I really believe it's going to happen. I, am, I believe that God is going to turn around my situation. Glory to God. Somebody, do you believe that this morning? God's going to turn around my situation. And so God is a generous God. Now look at this other verse that he have here. Just show you how generous he is. In Ephesians chapter 1 and 6. Now all praise to God for his wonderful kindness to us. And his favor that he has poured out. <laughs> look at the words they use. He poured out favor. You want him to pour favor on you this morning? He poured out favor upon us. Why? Because we belong to his dearly beloved son. Listen to the words. So overflowing. Oh my goodness. Is his kindness toward us, that he took away all our sins through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Can you just say, Lord, let's, let your kindness overflow in me today. Let your kindness overflow in me right now. Just ask him to let that kindness overflow on you. He, the Bible says, so overflowing his kindness. And then it goes on to say, and he has showered down upon us the riches of his grace. Showered down. So you hear the words? Poured out. He has overflowing. We serve an overflowing God. Amen. And he has showered down. How many people want him to shower down this morning? The blessings on you. Do you, you want God to be showering down blessings on you today? You want to say, Lord, shower it down, God. Shower it down. Shower it down, God. Hallelujah. Shower it down, God. Lord, shower it down. and Shower it down this morning. Amen. I feel an anointing. I'm asking him again. I don't know about you. Show it down, Lord. Show down the blessings. Hallelujah. Let him show it down. Amen. He can show it down anytime he wants. He is God. He has the power and the ability to do what nobody else can do. So, Lord, show it down again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody give him praise this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Shower it down. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of just stopping, just talking to him and just declaring and asking him to shower it down. You know, Jabez was going along his business and he had brothers and, and they didn't do anything. And the Bible says, but Jabez just stopped and says, Oh, that the Lord would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that his hand would be with me and would keep me from evil and may me not cause pain. And the Bible says, and God heard his prayer and granted his request. Right in the middle of, and this begot so-and-so, begot, and that begot, begot, and begot, begot, begot. And if you, there was, if you were skipping over the begots, you'd have missed that promise. Because right in the middle of all this long list of begot, begot, it came to the name Jabez, and, J and the Bible says, and Jabez prayed, and God 
answered his prayer. There was nothing special about him. Nothing special about Jabez in that sense. He just prayed. You know what James says? We have not because we what? Oh my goodness. You know how many times we worry and don't ask? There's a lot of times we keep worrying about the thing and we don't ask God. Take the time to pray instead of worry. Hello. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, so you speak over your situation. David says, why art thou cast down within me? So I thought, hope thou in God. For David began to speak to himself. There are times when you got to speak to yourself and he encouraged himself. Hello, somebody. You need to be encouraging yourself this morning. And speaking to yourself and says, it's going to get better, Carl. It's going to get better. And you call your name and says, it's not going to be like this. It's going to get better. A lot of people, this is not positive thinking or whatever. It's not secular positive thinking. We are using the scriptures. Whatever we do based on the scriptures, and the scripture we are using is death and life is in the power of the tongue. So if I want life, I'm going to speak. Oh, glory to God. I don't know what something is happening here in the 11 o'clock service. Because God won't let me continue the rest of it. He's pumping me in there so you with you there. Somebody is missing something this morning. Somebody is down and discouraged. And I want to tell you, you need to get out of it. Because God is about to turn things around. If you will just trust God. If you just believe God. Your circumstance is about to change in the name of Jesus. I want you to declare it. Let the devil see and know that my situation, devil, you're a liar. I am not going to be what you think you're putting on me. I am coming out. Hallelujah. I'm going through this situation. Praise God. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a generous God. He's generous. And he's not generous because we deserve it. He's not generous because we can earn it. He's generous because of his grace. Oh, thank God for the grace. Thank God for the grace. He's just because of grace. Grace. Your grace and mercy has brought me through. And I'm living this moment because of you. Anybody can declare that this morning. Lord, your grace and your mercy. That's why I'm at this point this morning. Because of your grace and your mercy. And we're letting him know that it's because of that. And we are thankful to him for it. Hallelujah. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. He deserves it. He's worthy of it. He's the one who has provided it for us. Glory to God. Let it overflow, God. Let your kindness overflow. Let your kindness overflow. Let your kindness overflow. Let your kindness overflow in this place, God. You want your kindness to overflow. Shower it down. Shower it down, God. Shower it down. Hallelujah. He has the prerogative to do it. Now, you know, if people in the world can be as generous as I'm going to tell you, how much more God? Mark Zuckerberg. You know who that is? The creator of Facebook. He's worth billions. You know what he just announced that he's going to do? 
He's going to give away 99% of his total wealth. Hello? Don't you think that's pretty generous? If a man can be that generous, he's going to give 99% of his wealth away to charity. And his decision is aligned because others have set the example before him. In 2006, Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest men in the world, he gave more, more than half of his wealth to Bill Gates and Belinda Gates, their foundation. Now, you know, the Gates were wealthy. And Warren Buffett is wealthy. And he gave billions of dollars to the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation. Why? Because they wanted to make a difference in the world. And so what these, guys, what these billionaires did, now billionaires got a meeting. They, got a, they had a dinner. Oh my goodness. The billionaires got together at a dinner. And the billionaires got together at a dinner to sign what is called the giving pledge. Where all these billionaires come together to decide how much of their wealth they're going to give away. I mean, I mean we're, and, and we're not talking about 10%, you know. They're talking about that it's 80% of their wealth or 90% of the wealth or 75% of the wealth. That's the level we're talking about. And they had this dinner. And at the, at the point, by the time they started in 2006, and in 2015, 128 billionaires had signed the pledge. That's a lot of money given away. Now let me tell you how rich Bill Gates is. If Bill Gates gave every single person in the world $10, every single person on planet Earth $10, he still has $2.26 billion left. I'm talking about billion with a B. Not million. 2.26 billion. If he gave every person on earth $10, he still had that kind of money left. That's how wealthy he is. And Bill Gates is a generous man. He's given away $28 billion of his income towards, raise, towards fighting disease through vaccinations in Africa and other countries of the world. He gave away $28 billion of his money. He's generous. But can I tell you, compared to God, Bill Gates seems like a hoarder. Our God is more generous. Do you know why? Because everything that Bill Gates has, God owns. Hello, somebody. He owns it all. Oh, glory to God. Your father owns it all. Hallelujah. I got a father that owns it all. Hello, somebody. That's why the Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow because your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you ask. So just shake off that thing right now and tell that devil you're a liar. I'm not buying into what you're suggesting or telling me because you don't know my Father. My Father is generous. My Father owns everything, devil, and you don't own nothing. You can tell the devil he owns nothing. Isn't that wonderful? We can tell the devil you own. <laughs> and there's nothing he can do to stop my father from loving me. And there's nothing he can do to stop my father from blessing me. Hello, somebody. 
Because I have access to my father whenever I want. I can go in and see him. I may not be able to have access to see the president. I may not be able to go to see the governor. I may not even be able to go see the mayor when I want to see him. But I have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Savior of the world at any moment, at any time. Glory to God. I can go in and see him. Oh, hallelujah. So you see, generosity to see God as the Exhort the example as a perfect example. He is. So generosity begins in the heart. Secondly, generosity see God as the perfect example. And thirdly, I wanted to generosity secures your successful future. I'm going to show you from the scripture that generosity secures your successful future. If you are not successful in the future, it is because, one reason for sure, you were not generous. You can write it down in your diary today. And you can write down in your diary, if you become generous, you will have a successful future. I'm going to show you something from the Bible. Okay, so let's talk about, so let's look. Number one, why is that so? Because of a principle that God has established, the law of the harvest. You remember that law? Here's that law says. That law says, remember this, whoever sows what? Will reap what? Whoever sows generously? So who, okay, how many people wants to reap generously? What are you required to do then? So you know you can't sow sparingly, stingily. Hello, my friend. You want to reap generously? That means you have to stop sowing. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know anything about him and giving. I don't look at the records. So I have no idea. But point is this, is that anyone wants to, if you are giving sparingly, you're limiting your harvest. But it only makes natural sense, you know. If I go out and plant two grains of corn, and somebody plant a thousand grains of corn, who's going to have a greater harvest? The one who plants a thousand grains of corn. And so, you know, we can't expect to sow sparingly and reap generously. It doesn't work that way. And I'm going to show you from the scriptures that's absolutely true. That's what the Bible says. If you want to reap, so your future, my friend, is determined on what you sow today. Your sowing today determines your future. Be not deceived, the Bible says. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. In blessing others, I am blessed. Generosity is not only an investment towards the solution for somebody else, but it's also an investment in your own future. You want to invest in your own future? Become generous. I'm going to talk, talk, talk to you about how you can become generous. Become generous. Now look at this other verse of scripture. It's, I love this one. Proverbs 11, 24. I'll give you the first part first. Read that first part for me. Some people give much, but get back even more. Others don't give what they should and end up poor. You like the rhyme? I saw that after I put it up there. That's the scripture. That's created from the Bible. I didn't, 
Uh, that's NCV, the New Christian, the New Century Version. I didn't change any words. That's how it says. Some people give much, but get back even what? That, you know what the verse is based on? Remember Luke 6.38? Give, and it shall be given to you what? Pressed down, shaken together, run it over, shall men give into your bosom. I like that scripture. You know the part I like about the scripture? It says, shall men give into your bosom. Because if I said angels, I'd be in trouble because I haven't seen any angels yet. But because it says men, I know I'm seeing you. And I'm seeing other people. And they're going to put give into your bosom because shall men give into your bosom. Praise God. And so it says, now look at this other part now. This is the next part of the verse. Straight from the Bible. No alterations. Look at this, what it says. Read it for me. Whoever gives to others will get what? Those who help others. And now who wants to be richer? Hello? What does he say you must do? Give to? Hello. You see, he never said if you want to be richer, you hold on to it. You notice that? It never said if you want to be richer, you hoard it for yourself. Which is what some people think. I can't give it away if I want to keep it for me. If I want to be richer, i got to hold it for me. i got to keep it for me. No. Because here's the thing. The law of the harvest cannot kick in. The law of the harvest is God can only multiply what you sow. Whatever you keep will never be multiplied by God. Hold on, let me stop and tell you that. Let's hear that again. Let's hear that again. All that you still have in the bank is not going to be multiplied by him at the level that he wants to multiply. The government multiplied for you at 6% rate or 2% rate or whatever rate they give in, a half a percent rate. Or the stock market may multiply it for you, but not God. You want God to multiply it? you got to give it to him. And then you watch him multiply what you give because what he will do is whatever is left, he now kicks in and cause that which is left to be multiplied or somebody give you something or something that you never thought about happen to you or, you know, there's how many people have stories they never knew the insurance company send them back a check that they never know and so the company says, Two years, six, for seven years, you've been paying a little bit extra than you should. Here's a check for $5,000. People get that all the time. Unexpected money coming from places. Somebody said, Lord, please help me, please help me. But you see, because you have to, God multiplies what you give him. I remember visiting one family one time, and uh, the lady had stopped going to church. And they had just started coming to the church. And so I visited them. And, uh, you know, the person said, oh, before I left, I said, Pastor, oh, I, I have this tithe. They've been accumulating the tithe. Because they weren't going to any church. And then she turned to me and she said, I, nothing that I keep will be multiplied. Only what I sow. So I want to sow it quickly. So she gave me the check right there and then for all the tithe that she had been accumulating. Because she wants it to start multiplying. She knew that. You keep it, it's not going to be multiplied by God. It may be multiplied by man, 
And you know what man is giving? 0.5% or 1% or a few percent, but not God. He's talking about hundredfold. And you know, all these different things. So, you, so we are the ones that are affecting ourselves by not doing what he says. We have to become, you've got to get generous and start scattering. Become generous and start scattering. Let me hurry. So, so some people, so here's the thing. Now, so here's what I want to tell you. So that's what the Bible says. But did you know that secular scientists are backing up what the Bible says? I'm going to read for you. You can all go on Google and Google it. This is true. Secular scientists. Here's what the secular scientists say. Let me tell you. Social scientists are uncovering the benefits of generous giving. I'm reading from it. Christian Smith, that's, our, that's the person's name, and Hilary Davidson, authors of this book, The Paradox of Generosity. They call it The Paradox of Generosity because they cannot understand that if you, to be, how do in the world do you get richer by becoming generous? So it's called the product. Here's what they said. By giving ourselves away, we ourselves move toward flourishing. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching. These are secular people saying that, you know. It is a sociological fact. Those who, listen to what the secular people are telling us now. They know about tithing, you know. Listen to this article. These people are not saved. Those who give 10% or more of their income and those who volunteer their time are more likely than others to report being very happy. Check if somebody's happy behind beside you there. <laughs> are you happy or you're miserable? <laughs> then we're going to check. We, we can know if you're tired. This is not something. Look at this. I'm reading, the, I'm reading from what they have. Similarly, those who are generous in their relationships, offering their attention and emotion to others, tend to be happier than those who are less generous relationally. Now, here's a big kicker. Generosity also has health benefits. Hello. Those who give more money, volunteer their time. Did you hear that? And are relationally generous, are more likely to be excellent, in, to, be, to be in excellent or very good health than other people. You mean if you volunteer your time and you help others and you're generous, it says you're more likely to be in better health. You, you know why? Because your frame of mind, your frame of mind. Remember, your mind is a powerful thing, right? Your frame of mind changes once you start reaching out to others rather than just yourself. And because your frame of mind changes, it changes your physiologic, what's going on in your body. Your physiology responds to the frame of mind. And so, you know, so you're not thinking depressed thoughts anymore. You're not down on yourself anymore. It's a whole different thing. So the Bible says, here's what they said. And so we continue. And those who are more generous in these ways always report a clearer sense of their purpose in life. These people who are generous, have a sense of purpose in life. They have a sense of knowing what they're doing. So that's, that's that couple. Now we're going to turn to a brilliant man from Wharton College in Pennsylvania. He's a professor. He's 31 years old, and he's writing this. He wrote a new book. It's a big craze. 
And what he says, Wharton Professor Adam Grant, you can Google him, released a book that changed the way many think about success. In his best-selling, this is what he titled it, Give and Take, A Revolutionary Approach to Success. He says, what I'm writing about is a revolutionary approach to success. We're going to look at why is it revolutionary. It is because, he says, Wharton Professor uses decades of psychological studies to make a provocative yet promising argument, here it is, that givers are the most likely to succeed. Now, this is secular people saying that. These are not Christian people talking about it. They're, they're backing up what the Bible is saying. Adam finds that at the top of their organizations are givers. People who climb the ladder in their corporate ladder and get to the top are usually givers. What do they do? They share among the workers. They're, they're willing to give ideas and give and give and give and give and help and, and, and be generous to those around them. And because of that, they get a lot of uh, appreciation by all of the people around them. And that appreciation that they get, uh, and admiration and loyalty, create long-term relationships that the that they said reap tremendous rewards. And so, even the secular company, even the secular organization, is recognizing. That when you become generous, it benefits you long term. Now let me close with, with just um, with this one person. Ray Berryman is a CEO on Wall Street. He's a municipal bond service company. And he and his wife gives away at least half of their income to God's work every year. He says, my joy in giving comes from serving God in a way that I know he's called me to. And in realizing that I'm giving, what I'm giving is impacting people for Christ. Ray says, it's exciting to know we're part of evangelizing, discipling, helping, and feeding the needy. It just feels wonderful and fulfilling. He says, the more we give, the more we delight in our giving, and the more God delights in us. Our giving pleases us, but more importantly, it pleases God. He says, my giving has been one of the central ministry activities of my life. Just after I received Christ as my Savior, I heard about tithing. I felt compelled to tithe and soon realized that God had given me the gift of giving. I learned that no matter how much I gave God, God would always provide more to give. The more I gave, the more my heart would rejoice in serving him. Let me close with what he says. They said, that they, they said that they want to give. There's another one that says they're giving away 70% of their income. Now you may say 70% of their income? How in the world did they do that? How is it that they can give 70% of their income and I can't even make my meat? Because they didn't start out giving 70%, my friend. They start out the same way like everybody else. They start out giving the 10 then they see God being faithful. So they stepped it up. So they moved it to 15. Then what did they see? Because they moved it up to 15, the law of the harvest kicked in. So generously, I reap what? So God provide more. So what does he do? What did they do? Because God provide more. They step up the giving. They move from 15 to 20. When they do 20, 
if the law of the harvest is still working, God is going to provide what? More. And because he provides more, I can also give more. So then, and so then they provide the 25%. So when they step to 25%, God gives more. Because God multiplied and gives more, then they can give more. Then they step it up to 30%. And they watch it until they go up until now. They can get to 70% without any reduction in their standard of living. Because God is supplying so much more that they don't need any more. After they take care of their expenses, they can give away 70% of the income now. There are people that are giving away 100%. They never start out that way. They start out like everybody else. Same thing. They didn't start big. They never started saying, I'm giving 30. No, they all start at the same level. But what they, what they found out, what they discovered, was that the law of the harvest really worked. So as they stepped it up, because God says, test me. He says, prove me if I will not open the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to contain it. And it's not just, we're talking about reaching out to help others around you. So you know, generosity we said, we defined generosity the last time. We said it is giving what is necessary and giving, no, giving more than is necessary and giving more than is expected. Giving more than is necessary and giving more than is expected. So if somebody, somebody needs lunch money around you. You want to start practicing generosity? You start small. So you want to say, okay, somebody needs lunch money. You say, how much is your lunch money? They say, $5. I just need $5. So somebody gives them 10. Somebody who really want to become generous say, here's a 20. Because they know it's going to serve them for more than one lunch a day. So they will become generous. Not, nobody's asking you to start up here. You want to start? You start down here. But your key thing is that you make a start. Are you ready to make a start? Because by doing that, you're setting up your successful future. It's your future you're investing in when you become generous. By helping other people, you're sowing. And when you sow, God multiplies what you sow. He cannot multiply what you keep. You know, I'm closing with this. Five, we learned that there was a huge crowd that followed Jesus into the wilderness. It came the end of the day when they wanted something to eat. The disciples said to them, send them away so they can go buy food. Jesus says, no, sit them down. You give them something. He said, what, 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 what do we have? They search around. One little boy gave his lunch away. His lunch had two little fish and five loaves in it. And Jesus held them up, blessed it, and started breaking it and giving it to the disciples, giving it to the disciples, giving it to the disciples. And the Bible says every one of those people ate as much as they wanted. And there were 5,000 men beside women and children. So that means that it could be well over 15,000 at least there or more. 5,000 men alone, you must understand that, beside women and children, the Bible said. And they all ate as much as they wanted, and then Jesus says, pick up the scraps, because he wanted to demonstrate a point. And they pick up 12 baskets full of scraps. Why? 
one little boy became generous by giving away his lunch. And what did Jesus able to do? Multiply it. You cannot, if he had kept his lunch, it would only be satisfying him. He would have had his lunch, his belly would be full, and everybody else would be hungry around him. But by his generosity to give it to the Lord, God multiplied to take the needs of others. God wants to multiply what you have. But if you hold on to it, it cannot be multiplied while you're holding on to it. It only can be multiplied as you use it to help others. Will you stand together with me? How many people today says, Lord, I need to experience your blessing? Are you ready for that? They're going to put on the overhead for me, number 225. Hymn number 225, showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Anybody need showers of blessing today? Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Hallelujah. I pray today, if you're pleading for those showers, that you will sing it and say, Lord, send the showers my way. Are you ready to see this morning? There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy comes from the but for the showers we need, there shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of praise. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing. But for the showers we need, there shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us our refreshing. Come and turn on thy word. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing. of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. If you need to sing with me one more time. Showers of blessing. Raise your hand if you're singing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers
you need the showers of blessing, raise your hand as we pray. Saying, God, I need those showers of blessing to come my way. Father, we thank you today that you've put certain things in our hands. The law of the harvest is dependent on us. If we don't sow, we can't reap. And the more we sow, the more we reap. We always reap more than we sow. We always reap after we sow. We always reap in a different season than we sow. So today, Father God, we pray. We're learning to become generous because of you. Because you're a generous God. So today, Lord, help us to become generous. That we may see showers of blessing being poured out upon us. That we may experience your supernatural favor. Somebody today, God, need a turnaround in their situation. Need to experience your supernatural favor. We ask you to release it. We ask you to cause them to become generous. Let them give you something to multiply. Something that you can increase. By that little boy that gave up his lunch. And look at the impact it had upon thousands. Because he was willing to make a sacrifice. So Father, teach us how to become generous. We thank you for what you're speaking to us today. We thank you that we'll never leave the same we came in today. But we go forth and begin to practice generosity. Because generosity is the key to prosperity. So help us, Father, to be generous with our time, to be generous with our work, kind words, to be generous with our love, to be generous with our finances, to be generous in many different ways that we can become generous and to see the impact it will have on people's lives. We give you thanks. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go become generous. Our first time guests, there's someone at the back that will help you escort you to our hospitality seat if there was anybody for the first time. But there's also available, remember, you can sign up at the welcome table for different things. But there's also, there's a, Rebecca, what's that box? That, the given, okay, the give or take. Okay, good. There's also the tickets, there are tickets available for also for the cons, for the, for the, for the movie. There are lots of things available out there that you need to look at before you go. Just stop by the table and check it out.